Amen. Amen. One day, there was a man waiting at a stoplight, right? You know, it's a red light. There's somebody in front of you. You know that we're still, you're waiting. All of a sudden, the light turns green, but the person in front of him isn't moving, right? You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little, a little um, lady in front of him, and she happens to be going through some papers. He can see her, like, shuffling through some papers, and he's behind her, and he's like, you know, <laughs> some of y'all already, some of you guys are already getting anxious. What happened? Relax. So what happens is, like, he's, like, beeping, and he's yelling, and he's screaming, and he's cursing, and he's doing all sorts of things. He's pulling his hair out. He's, like, really flipping out. Light turns red. You know how that is. Like, oh. All of a sudden, light turns green. Yo, what's she doing in here? And so he starts, like, screaming, bang on the door. And then you see him opening a window, yelling, cursing. And all of a sudden, police officer goes up to his son. He's like, "Uh, you all right? I need to step out of the vehicle, sir. He's like, you can't arrest me for just being upset. He's like, step out of the vehicle. So he frisks him, he handcuffs him, puts him back in the police car, and he's like, you can't arrest me for this. What are you doing? You know, oh, you won't hear the end of me. Wait till I tell my lawyer, all this stuff, right? He takes him, puts him in the, in, in, in the, in the cell, and he can hold him for like two hours. He lets him go, right? And the guy was so upset. He's like, yo, wait till, I, wait till I tell my attorney about what you did. You had no reason to arrest me, this and that, blah, blah. And he goes, uh, <laughs> I didn't arrest you for shouting in your car. That's not why I arrested you. You know, um, in fact, I was, I was behind you. You didn't even realize I was behind you. And I saw you yelling and cursing and all this. And all I could think about was like, man, well, this guy's a jerk. That's what the cop was saying, right? <laughs> But he goes, but it wasn't until all of a sudden I took a closer look and I saw a cross hanging on your rearview mirror. I saw a pro-life bumper sticker on one side, and I saw a Jesus coming Sue bumper sticker on the other side, and I instantly knew that you must have stolen this car. Nothing seems to turn away people more from Christianity than the inconsistency of the believer. Oh, man. Oh, man. It's going to be good today. Listen, church. So, so, so I, I, inconsistency are people, right? Uh, inconsistent Christians are people who say one thing, they do another. Um, they're not persistent. They're lacking firmness um, of character. They're lacking harmony of conduct. This is too common today. It, it's, it's, it, it's too common within the body of Christ. And because it's so common, it's almost being accepted. When it, does, when it cannot be accepted. We cannot accept and be okay with inconsistency in our walk with God. It's, you guys, you don't understand that this, that this, this problem that we have of inconsistency is turning people away 
from the faith. It's turning away. It's, it's making people feel like, I don't want nothing to do with that. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to serve. I mean, they call themselves a Christian. Look at that guy. Right? It's the truth. Let's take a look at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse, let's start at 16. I might just read all the way to 26. Let's, let's, let's see. Walking in the Spirit. If I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath. Some of y'all are like, oh, snap. <laughs> Selfish ambitions dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not, say will not, inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Okay. All right, this is what's happening. When we come to Christ and we say, Lord, I want to accept you. I want to receive you. I want you to come into my heart, into my life. At that moment, the Holy Spirit comes in and takes residency in my body, in my life, within me. And I am not the same. I am not the same. Romans 6.6 6 says, we know that our sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose power, its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. 
When we come to Christ, we become a new person. We're not the same person. Our thoughts shouldn't be the same anymore. Our desires shouldn't be the same anymore. Our habits, our, our, our traditions, something's got to change when we come to Christ. Our old self was enslaved to sin. We were bound. We, we were enslaved to sin, and when we accepted Christ, we were set free, no longer a slave to sin, and our old self was crucified, right? When that happens, it means that we shouldn't be comfortable still doing the same sins that we used to do before we accepted Christ. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You know, like if we, if we were living a certain way, we accept Christ, right? We shouldn't be okay living the same way that we were living before we accepted Christ. We should not be okay with it. Um, I want people to understand, and, and I, know, I know that this, we know this here at Lighthouse, but if salvation doesn't happen through just the prayer that you repeat. You can come up here at the end of the service and say, you know, I want, I want to accept Christ. You repeat a prayer, you leave out this place, and you stay the same. So tell me, did you give your life over to Christ? And sadly, sadly, this happens so much. And then people have this thing like, oh, no, I did the prayer. I'm a Christian. I did the prayer. I'm okay. I did the prayer. I'm, I got eternal life now. But their life never changed. Never changed. We should be desiring on a constant basis to turn um, from sin and seek God's will for our lives. When we come to the fifth chapter of Galatians, and we just read them, right? Paul is talking about uh, the indwelling Holy Spirit's work, the work the Holy Spirit does in us in the daily life of, of, of a believer, right? We're, we see the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but we see that. Um, and we need to realize, recognize that while the Holy Spirit has defeated the flesh, listen to this, although the Holy Spirit has defeated the flesh, right, through our union with Christ, in his death, not every believer is living a life of victory. Although the Holy Spirit has defeated the flesh through our union with Christ, through his crucifixion, many of us are not living in victory. Because as long as we're still in this body, right, we remain imperfect. As we fall short. As long as we remain in this body. We remain imperfect. And then, because we are imperfect, there is a, a, a remnant of sin within us that the word calls flesh. <laughs> flesh. Flesh. 
Now, what happens is this, this, this flesh, right, wars, wages war against the spirit, and the spirit wages war against the flesh. You guys are walking battlefields. Do you understand that? There is a war happening right now between the flesh, your flesh, and the spirit. Remember, I wanted to, uh, I'll reread verse 17. It says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly, constantly fighting each other so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Oh, man, I know it's quiet today. It's going to be quiet. It's probably going to get quieter in a minute. (laughs) John MacArthur, he said this. He said this one time. He said, the spirit-led life is a life of conflict because it is in constant combat with the old ways of the flesh that continue to tempt and seduce the believer. Think about this. You accept Christ, you want to change, but you got some habits. You got some things that you always used to do, but you made a decision. I gave my life to Christ. I'm a new creation. But all of a sudden, you still have this urge to do the things that you once used to do, to go to some places where you used to go, to call some people that perhaps you should not call. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is what's happening. And what's happening is the flesh, <laughs> the flesh is, is trying to seduce you like, come on, remember? Remember how much fun? Remember this? Remember? Come on. And it's, it's trying to seduce and tempt you from things that were a part of the old man. There's another quote, and it says, um, a spiritual titanic tug of war takes place in every believer. The non-Christian does not have that kind of struggle, for he is nothing but flesh. So there is no war. He has no other, he says that he has no other reference point. Because when a person comes to know Christ, he enters a significant spiritual struggle. Some of you guys have told me like, man, pastor, it didn't even feel, it it wasn't even this bad before I came to Christ. How many people have felt that way? Right? Like, oh, man, I, I come to Christ, and now look at all I'm going through. And it's a struggle, and life is hard, and, this, and there's so many things happening. And, and guess what? Because you're in combat now. Before, it, you were just a pile of flesh anyway. There was no conviction. There was no, I mean, you were just, hey. But now there's a struggle. There's a tug of war going on. There's like, you know, I know I shouldn't. But I want to. I know it's bad for me, but they say it feels so good or it tastes so good or it looks so good. And the struggle 
begins to tug a war. It's a tug of war happening within us. You know, this, this battle, this struggle, it actually involves um, three enemies. <laughs> so, man, we got a lot of enemies. You got three enemies in this battle. So it's, 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 it's like a, like a, a three-on-one right now. Your enemies are the world, your flesh, and the devil. That's, that's the enemies we got. We got three enemies that would love to see us self-destruct, that would love to see us just completely wiped out, dead, given up, whatever the case may be. Commit suicide. Yeah, that's, what, that's, what's, that's what's happening. That's what's happening. Now, we look at these three enemies, and, you know, you know especially, especially if we've been around church people enough, the first thing we say is, like, oh, the greatest of all those enemies is? That's what we say, Satan. That's what we say. But actually, it's not true. It's not true. The biggest of those three enemies, right? <laughs> well, we do know, listen, we do know that the word says that he's the prince of the power of the air. We know that, it, you know, we're not to like, you know, he is, he is a great enemy. He's seeking, right, like a roaring lion looking to see who he can devour. He's looking to who he can destroy. But he's not our greatest enemy. Our greatest enemy is within us, and it's our flesh. This flesh, this body. <laughs> so, so when Paul is talking about the flesh, like what, what, is, what is he actually meaning by it, right? He speaks of the flesh. He's referring to all that man is and is capable of as a sinful human being apart from relationship with God, apart from relationship with God or the intervention of God um, in his life. We are faced with a decision on a daily basis. It, we are faced with a decision on a daily if we're going to either walk according to the flesh, which is corrupted by sin, or walking in the spirit. You guys do know that you make that choice. You guys choose that. Every morning when you wake up, you can't choose it for Sunday and then expect it to carry over the rest of the week. You can't expect there to be leftovers the entire week. It's a daily basis. It's a daily decision. It's every morning you waking up and says, no, today I am making a decision that I'm going to be walking according to the Spirit. Or, I mean, you're not going to wake up and say, today I'm going to walk according to the flesh. I mean, no one's going to wake up and say that. But your actions will show that that's exactly what you're doing. Ephesians chapter 2 Verse 1 to 3 says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is 
the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. You know, when you read verses slow, right, and you just kind of take your time through it, listen to, listen to this again. It says, he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Hmm, have you ever refused to obey God? And then wonder why, why the enemy coming at you so hard? This and that. Sometimes we sometimes we give him like permission by how and what we do. Do you understand that? Sometimes we we open the door and be like, I don't want you in here, but we open the door. And he can be like, well, since you let me in, since you let me in. He's a spirit at work at the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us need, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. There was a time before Christ where what drove you was what you wanted, period. You didn't care about God's will. We didn't care about God's direction. We didn't care about what pleased him, what didn't please him. We just like, I want it, I'm going to do it. I want to go there, I'm going to go. I want, that's how, that's how it was. But that's how it was. It should not continue to be that way. 1 John 2.16 says, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. When we read the verses, when we read, um, the, especially when, in, from our text, uh, verses like uh, 19, 20, and 21, when we read those verses and they list everything, um, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Walking in the flesh involves three areas of your life that all stand in direct, <laughs> look at that. He was like, hey, man. That's why he, that, was, that was my, my grandson. Um, that involves three areas of life that stand in direct opposition to God. Walking in the flesh involves three areas of life that all stand in direct opposition of God. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the lust of... And the, and the pride of life. That's right. It was in these same three areas that we read in the scriptures that Satan tempted Christ in the wilderness. Walking after the flesh is our attempt to get our needs and wants and our longings and desires met independently, meaning apart from God. <laughs> 
When we walk, when we are walking in the flesh, we're only attempting to do what we want, get what we want, live how we want, completely apart from God. We don't care about his word. We don't care about what he's told us to do and not to do. We don't tell us how he's told us to live and how not to live. These are not important to us when we are walking in the flesh. So um, when we talk about the lust of the flesh, right, um, we, uh, the lust of the eyes can be seen as self-fulfilling, meaning your eye says, what can I have or get in this life? Like you see something, you want it, you just get it and nothing matters. Like you see it, you want it, you get it. Now, I know we grew up in a world where they're like, they're, uh, the, the sky's the limit. If you set your eyes to something, don't stop until you get it. I'm not taking away from goals in your life, right? But it's important to understand that when you set your eyes to something, let's say, let's say you know, let's say all of a sudden you set your eyes to become, you know, a doctor or, or I don't know, something, and you're gonna, not going to stop until you get it. The difference between a believer, if we set your eyes on being a doctor, and then you say, God, is this your will for my life? Like, do you know I really want to be that? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push forward to this. Open or close doors in my life that will lead me in that direction. And so what happens is we make plans. We, we make goals. But we understand that we place those goals in the hands of God. The lust of the flesh can be seen as what can I do or experience or take pleasure in this life? What's going to make me feel good? What's going to make this body, this flesh feel good? I don't care about anything as long as I feel good. And the pride of life, what can I be? Who can I be, right? How can I be seen in this life? What can I become? Um, in, in each case, the focus becomes on me other than God. Have you noticed that? In the focus, it's about me. It's about I. And it's no longer about God. It's, I don't care what he wants. or what I, I, It's what I want. It's what I want to do. It's where I want to go. <sighs> Christians who walk after the flesh foolishly take their eyes off of God and their focus off of God's glory. And when you take your eyes off of, I mean, what happened to Peter when he took his eyes off of Christ? He sank. When we take our focus off of God's glory, <laughs> anything that happens in our life even if it appears to be okay, is sin. Do you guys realize that? When, when it, it, it can seem like it's okay, but it's, it's all wrapped with, around sin. When a believer walks according to the flesh, he or she then conforms themselves to this fallen world. When you decide to walk in the flesh, you are conforming to this fallen world because you start to crave the things of this world and therefore are in direct violation 
of a command found in Romans 12 too, which is don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into the new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasant and perfect. So in contrast to walking according to the flesh, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust or desire of the flesh. If you walk in the spirit, that's the answer to not walking in the flesh. When we, allow our, when we walk in the spirit, what we're doing is we're allowing the Holy Spirit to guide and conduct my going and coming, right? It, we're seeking direction. We're seeking answers. We're seeking guidance. And therefore, we are walking in the spirit. Everything that we do, every, everywhere that we go, anything that we know, we, we, we seek the spirit. We, we pray and we, and we, and we seek the, the guidance. To walk by the spirit is to live under the controlling influence. Wait, Pastor, you said controlling? Oh, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. Some of y'all already checked out. The second I said control, oh, you messed it up for me, Pastor. I don't like that word. Unless I'm talking about myself being controlling. Because I want to control it. I don't want to be controlled. Well, walking, under the, walking in the spirit is to live a life under the control and the influence of the spirit. And we are to be in complete dependence, complete dependence upon him. Simply, we live under, simply if we live under the controlling influence of the spirit, as we continually, expo- this, this, is the, this is the secret word continually we live under the we live we live walking in the spirit if we are to continually expose our minds and seek um the spirit's moral will for us that's revealed in scripture the key word is continually we live in dependence on him through prayer as we continually cry out for him for his power to enable us to obey his will I want, I want to say something that some people may not completely agree with, but it's okay if you don't. <laughs> if you call yourself a follower of Christ, a Christian, right, then this path that I'm speaking about is not an optional path. This is not an optional thing. We are called to walk in the Spirit. This is what his word tells us. And so if you are a Christian and you find yourselves being controlled by the desires of your flesh, then we have some work to do, right? We have some work to do to get you to a place where now you are surrendered to the Spirit and no longer controlled by your flesh. That's spiritual maturity and progress. Ephesians 5.18 says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. He's saying, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul, <laughs> what Paul is commanding is that you and I, right, we 
yieldingly live our lives continually under the influence of the Holy Spirit. There's, remember, remember I talked about the inconsistency of, of the Christian and how that affects the testimony, the witness? So what happens is we can't have this inconsistency if we are continually living and walking in the Spirit. It's clear that um, from God's word that when we're walking or living according to the flesh, it produces a number of unfortunate consequences. And that's the verse that's what we read through 19 and 21. And he lists all those uh, works of the flesh. But we can take those works and we can put them in three categories. Right? The first category is sexual sin. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. In there. You can just everything lumped in together, especially the things that we're going through now where people are confused about what is right, what is wrong, um, and many people are falling to sexual immorality because the world says it's okay and that it should be accepted. But it's not okay, and we can't accept it. We continue to love the individual. I, I want you guys to know there's a, big, there's a difference here we love people. We, 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 we embrace people. We, 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 want, we, we, don't, we, we embrace them, but we cannot accept any lifestyles that go contrary to the word of God. The second, the second is religious sins. And it says, and we put idolatry and sorcery. Some versions say witchcraft. There's some witches out there, and y'all don't even know. One of y'all might be a witch and don't even know. <laughs> not here, not here, though, not here. Somebody may be watching on the internet. <laughs> no, the truth is this. The truth is, the truth is that this is another area um, that is a work of the flesh. Then, continuing, we have religious, we have um, um, those religious sins. Then we have what we call societal or community type uh, sins, right? And this is where we see hostility, quarreling. Anybody ever quarrel with them? Jealousy. Some of y'all jealous? Outbursts of anger. Yo, we're going to leave some of that at the altar today. The outbursts of anger, that just happens a little too much. And we're going to leave it here. Um... Selfish ambition, dissension. A dissension is, this is what happens with dissension. A dissension is like, yo, Al, I don't agree with you. But my disagreeance with Al is, doesn't, doesn't end with me and him dealing with it, right? My disagreeance with Al, now I'm making it a problem, which is going to cause discord within the body. That's what dissension is. The session is that I have a disagreement with somebody, but because I have a disagreement with that individual, I'm going to cause a discord in the body. This is, this is real stuff. Division, envy, drunkenness, wall parties, and the like. They stuck and the like. I'm gonna give you, that's like you ever, if you ever work for a nonprofit agency, um, you look at your job description, right? 
And the very last line always says, what does it say? It says, and on, any, on, any other duties assigned. Listen, I know about that. <laughs> I worked for a nonprofit for a, a handful of years, and I was a regional coordinator, meaning I overseeing a lot of the distribution of grant, uh, grant money within a certain region. And what happens is that was my job, to follow up on the on the organizations that we subgranted money to, make sure they were doing what they were doing, things like that. But somehow, somehow I was driving to the airport to pick up certain people from the airport, and that was my job. And somehow I was asked to drive a, a bus around Philadelphia at nighttime to entertain some of our out-of-state guests, show them the sights, the rocky steps, and Geno's, Pat Steak, stuff like that, because, you know, they come from other cities and states. Um, and the list can go on. The list can go on. I feel you, man. I feel you. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that's right. That's right. There's a stern warning given in verse 21. Just listen, listen. I, if this doesn't scare you, I don't know. It says, I warn you as I warned you before, which by the way, he's, he must have, t- this is not the first time he's telling them this. I mean, maybe he had to put it in writing the second time, right? He had to be like, nah, I mean, let, let, me, let me actually put it in writing this time. Because I warned you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So you ever have questions about like, ah, you know, I don't know if I'm really saved. I don't know if I'm going to heaven. Listen, your life is a reflection. Evaluate your life. Evaluate your life. I mean, if, you fall, if you're living a lifestyle of these things that I mentioned here, then, uh, then the word is repent. That's the word, repent. Now, now, in this case, the word do, right, for those that do such things, it, it's referring to the habitual practicing of, this, of these things. So I, want, I don't want you guys to be like, I'm going to hell. Because I was jealous of that person the other day. And then you come like, Pastor, I'm going to hell. I don't know what to do. It's important that we understand that it's the habitual practicing of these things. So, you know, if you, if, if, you, know, if you find yourself, you know, let's use jealousy, right? Being jealous of somebody, then you'd be like, God, you know, forgive me. I don't want to lose. And you move forward. But there are some people that live their lives in jealousy. They live their lives in jealousy. They live their lives in envy. They live their lives in just every day in outbursts of anger, outbursts of anger, all this rage over and over and over. Oh, we're going to leave that here today. This is, Paul is talking about people that live in this sin as a settled choice and principle of life. You have become comfortable doing these things over and over and over. Again, it's easy to point out the easy things like division, envy, jealousy. But when we look at um, sexual sins you know, and the religious, some of these religious sins, there's a lot that if we are not careful you are actively accepting and living 
in that sin. Another reason why it's so important to be in the word of God to understand what he has, what he is displeased with. Because if you are not in here, then you're not going to know. And you're going to be like, oh, what does the Bible say? My people perish for lack of knowledge. Get into the word and understand what pleases him and what doesn't please him. John 1, 3, 9 says, for those... Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. <clears throat> All right. My wife brought this to my attention the other day, and at first it caught me off guard. So it's going to catch you guys off guard. It says, uh, I want you... I understand as believers, right, as believers, while in this body, right, we still sin daily. We still sin on a daily basis. But we can't make, um, we can't continue habitual sin, meaning like a lifestyle of sin, without conviction or God's discipline. We have to change our mentality. And I want to say this because this, we are so used to saying I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. Hear me through this. Hear me through this. If you keep saying I'm a sinner, you're going to make sure you live up to that title. We are, not, we are no longer sinners when we become children of God. We are saints that still fall short to sin. You see, I'm not titled a sinner anymore. When I come to Christ and I accept him into my heart, I become a child of God. That's what the Bible says. So now my title is no longer sinner. My title is child of God. And as a child of God, because I'm in this flesh... And as a child of God, because I'm in this flesh, I will fall short. I will still sin, but that is no longer my title. And what happens is, you, you, guys, you guys hear the expression, um, who, who you say you are is who you will become. If we live a life saying, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, then guess what? You're going to sin, 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 and you're going to feel justified by all your sinning because I'm a sinner. And you're not going to stop. But when you come to Christ and you say, I've become a child of God, at that moment when you sin, it should be uncomfortable. It should be like, ah, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I'm a son of a God. I'm a, I'm a son of a king. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done this. There should be instant conviction because your title is child of God. Do you understand? This is what we need to be professing. I am a child of God. I am a son of a king. I am a princess. I am a queen. You know, I mean, whatever the you, I am loved. I'm the apple of his eye. I am, you walk and you declaim that, you proclaim that, and because that's who you are. Yo, you, yo, you are, you are, 
You are allowing defeat before getting on the battlefield the second your mentality is, I'm a sinner, 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 I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. We still sin, but that is not my title. I'm a prince because my daddy's a king. First Corinthians chapter two, one, verse two says, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified, set apart, made holy in Christ Jesus. Are you, are you sanctified? Are you set apart? Are you made holy in Christ Jesus who are selected and called as saints? God's people. Am, are you God's people? Okay, all right, all right, just, just checking, just checking. Together with all those who in every place call on and honor the same, honor the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. I am a child of God. I am God's people. I'm set apart. I'm a saint. But I still fall short. I still mess up. On the flip side, on the flip side, and we're wrapping this up, um, we see the results of walking in the Spirit. In verses 22 to 26, and we call the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. No S. Fruit of the Spirit. Um, there are nine qualities characterizing that, uh, that, that uh, results from walking in the Spirit, which is, and is evidence of the Spirit in the life of a believer. These characteristics directly counter the works of the flesh. They counter. Remember we just talked about the flesh and the Spirit being in combat? right? They, they counter um, the works of the flesh. And God wants every one of these characteristics to be characteristic of our lives in Christ. Like he wants us to be showing this fruit. Um, now God, not only not, God wants to see this in our lives, but he expects it in the life of a believer. He expects it in the life of a believer. Um, the thing is this, we can't generate these things. Like, I can't, I, can't, I can't develop or generate, you know, gentleness, self-control, um, goodness, kindness, long-suffering, love, joy, peace. I can't, I can't generate that, like, you know, go to a lab and make it up. I can't do it. I can't work on it on my own. The Bible says it's the work of God. John 15, 5 says, yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So, so the fruit of the Spirit can't be developed without God. I mean, I can't do that by myself. Some of you guys have tried to be loving and gentle and have failed on your own. <laughs> Nobody here, again, you know, just, you know. We can't do it without him. We can't. We are completely dependent on him. It is only as we walk in the spirit that the fruit will develop. But we, must, but we bear a responsibility as believers to continuously and actively walk in the spirit. Some Christians are walking around saying, I don't understand. Like, I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not experiencing the power of God in my life. 
I'm not experiencing the power of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit. Well, are you walking in the Spirit in the first place? Let's, let's do a checklist. Or are you still being influenced by the works of the flesh? Our daily lives are to be controlled and led by the Holy Spirit. We got we to gotta depend on him for everything, everything. I want you guys to ask yourself this to yourself. In your, in your, in your, don't raise your hand. Don't answer out loud. Don't incriminate yourself. <laughs> if God were to withdraw his Holy Spirit from you, would you even notice a difference? If God were to withdraw his Holy Spirit from you, would you notice a difference? Those of you that are currently walking in the Spirit would definitely notice the difference. But if you are walking according to the flesh, you will not. You will not. In closing, in closing, um, keeping in step with the Spirit requires us to die daily. In verse 14, we read, those who are Christ have been crucified, the flesh with its passions and desires. We've crucified that. There's a newness in life. Galatians 3, 1 to 5 say, since you have been raised to a new life of Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly thing lurking within you. Put to death. Crucify it. Kill it. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Keep in step with the Holy Spirit. We keep in step with the Holy Spirit when we are in compliance of these things. Like, how do we walk in the Spirit, right? We submit ourselves to the Word of God, right? We understand that it's through his will, through the study of the word of God, right? When we ask him for insight to his word, when we spend time with him in his word, he illum the spirit illuminates the scripture. And at that moment, we know exactly what God wants us to do. That's being directed and walking in the spirit. His word directs us and our steps and helps us to keep in pace with the spirit. Church, I want you to stand to your feet. Um, prayer team, please make your way up. I'm excited for some of you today because the time has come that if you heard something in the list of the works of the flesh that you're like, man, I'm dealing with this and I don't want to keep dealing with this. Today's the day to leave this at the altar. You see, what happens is this. Some of us have, some of you have been seeing yourself as sinners. 
and not children of God. Some of you keep walking around saying, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, and, and you're, not, you're, you're, not, you're not emphasizing the fact that you are a child of God. As a result, like I mentioned before, you, you, you keep falling into sin and then justifying every time you fall because, you know, I'm a sinner, so I'm just going to keep sinning, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. And we justify it. Before we realize it, I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, we take a look back at an inventory and every time we mess up or we fall because we're a sinner, now there's a pattern and we realize, wait a minute, that wasn't just one. It's not just two. If we take an inventory of it, all of a sudden we see how it has become a habitual sin. but we hide behind sayings like, and don't get mad at me if you've ever said this, but we hide sayings behind, we hide behind sayings and say, um, well, that's the way I am and I'm trying to work on it. But we say, God ain't through with me yet, right? Yeah, I get it. He's not through with some of it, but there's some things that you got to do. I'm still working on it, Okay. Some of us are even saying that we are waiting on God to deliver us, to deliver us from some of these sins, to set us free. We're waiting for God to cast out some of these sins from our life as if it were a demonic spirit. Can I, can I tell you that the scripture, if I read correctly here, the scripture doesn't list these works of the flesh as demonic spirits. He lists them as works of the flesh. Is it possible to cast out your flesh? Is it possible to be delivered from your flesh? We, 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 well, yeah, one day. One day when we're completely out of this flesh, when we continue out of this body. But until then, there's that battle. Until then, there's that battle between flesh and spirit. So that battle is always going to continue. We can't, we can't escape our fleshly covering, our container that we're in until we're within the, in the presence of the Lord. Flesh. The works of the flesh are not spirits that can be casted out. They're works. And the scripture said that our flesh must be crucified. Some of us are waiting. God's going to deliver me from this. He's going to set me free. He's going to set me free. He's going to set me free. And God's like, no, you need to get up and you need to crucify that and don't turn back to that. That's what God is saying. And some of us, we just, you know, oh, I don't think I got enough energy to do it. I don't think I got the willpower to do it. I don't know I'm trying. Listen. Listen to me. <laughs> if you make a decision to walk in the Spirit, every, the fruit of that will combat the works of the flesh. You're right. 
You cannot do it by yourself. But you and the Holy Spirit, working as a powerhouse team, can get it done. Can get it done. Today's the day that you guys make a decision. Am I going to walk in the flesh? Or am I going to walk in the spirit? It's a decision that you make. I can't make it for you. I wish I could make it for you. I wish I could just be like, hey, you're walking in the spirit, and then you automatically start walking in the spirit. I wish I could. I can't. It doesn't work that way. You need to make that decision. You need to choose that. Obviously, what for, the first step is accepting Christ into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior. And after you accept Him as your personal Lord and Savior, your life is changed. And now, every day after that, there's a decision to walk in the Spirit. Because you are no longer the same person you were before. Some of us are struggling with some things that we struggled before we came to Christ. We want to encourage you to walk in the Spirit and not walk according to the flesh. Some of us almost feel captive to some things that we just, that seem to control us. We want you to be set free in the name of Jesus. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Today is the day. It's time to put, to, uh, it's time to kill and, and crucify the works of the flesh.